Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Today, my guest is Tony Lynch, who is the founder of the nonprofit Memories of Us, and he has the podcast called Grief. Let's talk about it. Tony had experienced such intense grief. He lost his brother. He lost his really young child, and then he lost his mother. And all of those events just took him into such a deep, dark place of grief. For two and a half months, he planned his suicide to end his life and really carefully and methodically planned this. And then he found himself that day in the desert with his weapon in hand, ready to end his life. He didn't have the desire, the drive, the will. He didn't have any fight to live any further. And in that moment of this dark night of his soul, he realized that he no longer needed to be a victim of grief. He looked at all the moments in his life and what the grief was teaching him and how he could use this to help other men work through grief. Tony talks about how there are some similarities with the grieving process, but how men and women grieve really differently. And he is 100% dedicated to supporting men through their grieving process. This is such a beautiful story. Tony is absolutely amazing. If I was in a place of grief, Tony is the person that I would want to speak to. So I really hope that you'll enjoy this episode. Please, please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi, Tony. Good morning. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you doing this morning, Nikki? I'm good. I want to thank you so much for um, coming on to the Connected Community Podcast and chatting with me today. I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your platform. Yeah. So we're going to talk about grief today, and I think that this is such a good topic and an important topic, but I also love that you work with men, and I know that men and women grieve so differently and so do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into the work that you're doing and um, like what, what led you down this path and then specifically working with men? Oh, well, that's, that's an interesting story, you know? Um, so I got into it um, after the loss of my son, uh, followed two years by the loss of my mother, which put me in a category of, um, I just, you know, no parents, both of my parents are gone. Um, my younger brother passed away and, um, the, the category that most people, you know, um, there's no, there's no words for it, the child loss category and, uh, the process that I went through mm -hmm. being a young male, I didn't even know what grief was, right? No one ever told me that this is, you know, grief was part of life and things like that. So I kind of, kind of stumbled my way through the process and, um, it led me to, it led me down a dark path where I planned out my suicide. Mm. This was after your son, after your son passed away, right? Yeah. Well, my son is what triggered it, right. um, which started the process. And it wasn't until the loss of my mother where everything just kind of opened up and mm. I fell straight into the hole. Mm. And I often use the analogy. I fell down this deep well with no, you know, with smooth sides and, here I am looking for someone to come and rescue me, right? To at least tell me that, you know, what I'm going through is totally normal. There was nobody out there to do it. So it led me to making bad decisions, um, which was part of the process, which I didn't even know, right? Mm -hmm. um, you see people who, who turn to drugs. I didn't turn to drugs. My addiction was working out. Mm -hmm. And so I had a model, you know, I want to try to hurt myself um, as much as I'm hurting. So here I am, a bodybuilder, and you know I'm ex I'm extremely strong. So you know one day I just put on almost close to 600 pounds on the bench, and I lifted it up, and it fell down. I was like, well, maybe this is my time. You know, it's gonna it's gonna suffocate me, or either break break my neck or something. You know, and uh, something inside of me, I pushed it up, but I put it back on a bar. Um, the, and then from there, I was I just started running, 
right? And that was that was this whole deep well that I was in. I, it felt like I was running forever. The choices I made, I left Colorado, uh, moved to South Dakota. And what ended up happening, I went out there, you know, to and moved in with, with the female. Was there three months, lost everything. Came back to Colorado. And here I am bouncing around on people's couches. You know, just, it was a lonely, lonely, dark road. Yeah. Um, and eventually I gave up. I said, I don't want to do it anymore. The pain was just there. And um, which led me to planning out my suicide. Did you and, actually have an attempt or did you plan? No, no, I, I attempted it. I planned it out for a reason. So I played, <laughs> my friends are going to kill me when I say this. So I played chess with my friends, mm-hmm. right? To the people um, that was that was still a part of my life. And what I mean by that, I noticed that they will call me on certain days, right? And so once I realized that they followed a certain pattern, I kind of disrupted a pattern. I stopped answering the call on the days that they were that, on the days that they were calling me, and I would call them on days, um, and uh, that I, that I wanted to talk to them, which left me open for a weekend. And once I realized that it was consistent, I said, "Okay, now that I know that no one's going to call me on the weekends." This is my opportunity. Mm. So I went to work as normal, you know, um, didn't say too much to anyone and no one really paid attention to me as well. So on the weekend, on that weekend, I got off work. My clothes were already in in my vehicle. I took off and went to Utah and I I got a hotel room for a couple of days. I was like, you know, I get out there on Friday. I'm going to take Friday night. I'm just going to rest. Um, Saturday, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to say my goodbyes, you know, um, to my family, ask for forgiveness for what I'm about to do. Sunday, I checked out at a hotel. I was still in Utah, drove out to the middle of the desert and sat out there for a minute. And uh, when nightfall came, my my mind was made up. You know, I had a gun uh, and I made sure that I was going to do it right. I had this thing planned out to the very last detail. I'm going to shoot myself. No one's going to come looking for me. I'm in the middle of the desert. By the time they even find me, they're scavengers, right? There's there's mountain lions. There's scavengers in the desert. By the time they even find me, there ain't going to be nothing else left. Mm -hmm. So, and that was my thought pattern. You're right. You know, and when you're planning out your suicide uh, and you get into that much detail, I've actually thought this thing through. You know, there's, there's, there's that darkness that comes in and you have to be okay with that. It sounds like and, that plan uh, so, was, was for, that went on for months, it sounds like. Yeah, well, two and a half months I did. You know, when I wow. thought about it, I was like, what's the best way to do this, right? I don't wow. want I don't want anyone to find me, um, you know what I'm saying, after the fact. So I'm not going to do it in the city. There, I know too many people. So right. I need to be away from people, right? And so I, I had um, paid up my car payments for months. I know they're not going to come looking for me. I don't owe them anything. Right. Um, and I the, the the biggest thing was, is that now that I know no one's going to call me over the weekends, I know there's, you know, anybody looking for me. Mm-hmm. They may start looking for me during the week, but they don't know where I'm at because one person thought I was going one place. Another person thought I was going somewhere else, but mm-hmm. I just diverted. So that was two and a half months of very, very strategic planning. Wow. And I just, again, it wasn't even a thought of dying. Um, I was just tired. Yeah. I was, I was, I was literally just tired. I, you know, like I said, I lost everything. Um, The pain was just immense. The thought of being an orphan in this world, you know, my parents are gone. My younger brother is gone. My son is gone. I'm the oldest and the last of my bloodline. Life Mm. is not going well. Life is not going well. I, you know, I, my, my company that I just, um, that I started my personal training company, I just lost everything. I lost my place to live. I had no direction. I had no purpose. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, I don't want to do this anymore. And it was the sort of tired that if you were sitting across from me, I couldn't explain it to you. Yeah. I just, I, I couldn't explain it to anyone. I just knew that I was done. I think, wow. you know, I think that was just a, um, 
a pileup of life, right? You know what I'm saying? My whole entire life, I had been, it's just been a consistent fight. Right? Yeah, it just sounds like you just ran out of like fight. You ran out of energy, you ran out of like willpower. You just kind of like everything, just kind of all the steam got let out. Yeah. Well, that, and um, when you, when you actually think about it, right. When you're in a physical fight, you know what your opponent is. Yeah. Right. You know, and I've been in boxing matches, MMA, martial arts, um, street fights. I, in a physical fight, I, I can handle this. I know exactly, you know, saying how to approach the situation. Yeah. When, when you're in that sort of fight that you don't know what your opponent is, you don't know, you, you're just swinging for the fences, hoping that you hit something. Eventually it's like, what do I do next? Mm. What do I do next? Right. And that's what led me, uh, that, that's what led me down this path um, of trying to survive this, this, this so-called grieving process and that I didn't understand. And like I said, the analogy, you know, here I am inside of this well, I'm looking for someone to come and save me. Tell me that things are going to be okay. And as I'm down here, I'm punching the walls. I'm trying to figure out something, right? Because this is unfamiliar territory. Yeah. And um, what ended up happening, and I, and I use and I use this a lot, uh, as I'm searching for the answers, as I'm searching for something, it was as if someone would drop a rope down and every time I went to go grab the rope, they would kick dirt on top of my head. Oh my God, right. And and every time, you know, and I would go, you know, shake it off and go, you know, if you're going to bury me, bury me alive. Go ahead, go ahead and finish this, right? I'm done. I don't want, I'm not going to fight, you know? Um, and then it kept happening. It kept happening. And now the dirt, this is, this is what it was. It was the things that I needed in order to understand what I was going through. So it got to a point, reach for the rope, they pull it up, the dirt come down, I push it underneath my feet. Eventually I got to the top of this well. And that's when the aha moment happens. And now this happens, although it seemed as if it happened, you know, there was a long period of time. These were minutes that were going by. Just minutes. Because you got to remember, I'm in the middle of the desert. So, you know, and I'm two seconds away from pulling the trigger, and all of a sudden, here I am, lost. So in that aha moment, something said, hey, let me show you something. And that's where all of that compounds. So things that it would normally take people years to figure out, I figured out in a matter of minutes. Did and you actually have that visualization in that moment? Uh-huh. You were having that. Okay, perfect. Yeah, okay. because when, you, when you're in that hole, this is what I did. I said, you know what? I have no purpose. Why am I here? So in that moment, now I am going on a backwards journey in my life, mm-hmm. right? I'm pinpointing because now, you know, I have to know why am I angry? You know what I'm saying? What is the source of all of these things? Why have all of these things happened? In these moments, I want to be a victim. Right. I want to be a victim. I want to justify what I'm about to do or, or what I've attempted to do, right? And I can't justify it anymore. Because now that I am going back on this journey of my life, mm-hmm. it's like, well, what about this? What about when I was six, when I was molested? Yeah, well, yeah, you was molested. But had you not had this not happened, you would not have developed this sense of survival, which was useful in my life. Right. Well, what about what about this? Well, had you not done that, had you not gone through this? experience this. You wouldn't have been able to do this. Well, what about the times I was homeless? You wasn't homeless. I just moved you around. So all of these different experiences are happening in these, in these, in these minutes that I'm climbing out of this hole. And are you basically uh, now, like, are you going through like your life timeline and thinking about yeah. all of the hard moments and then how you um, got through them and how they affected you and how, they made you stronger. Is that kind of the process that you were going through? I wasn't thinking about um, it. Was yes, uh, yes, but I was not thinking about how they made me stronger. Mm-hmm. Right. What I was thinking about again. You got to remember, I'm in victim victim mindset. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying. I'm trying to I'm trying to play the victim in my own life. 
Mm-hmm. So as I'm going through this, going through this journey of backwards motion, I realized that I had to start healing. And I didn't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I wanted to go, you know what? No, what about this? Right. You know what I'm saying? What about the being homeless 18 times? What about going to prison for five years for a crime I never committed? What about being shot? What about what about all these other things? All the friends that I lost along the way, all the people I seen killed, you know, what I'm saying all the people I watch, you know, struggle with addiction and suicides and all of these different things. Right. You know, what about what about me? Did you know what I'm saying? What about me? Right. What, what what happened, you know what I'm saying, all these times I had to lose everything over and over, you know, yeah. and life came back and said, yeah, it sounds good, but you could play the victim, but it's not going to work. And that's when the voice in my head said, you thought your life was about you. <laughs> no, not at all, Tony. It was never about you. If you look at every turn, every challenge that you've ever had to overcome, I placed you where you needed to be. And I went, hmm. so you mean to tell me that all these times that I'm thinking that all of these people are leaving me, I'm the one leaving them. And it, and it, it came back and said, you're the seasonal one. You're the one that's there and and various points of people's lives to give them something from your experiences. I said, okay. I said, well, what about now? Well, now we're going to take the next step so you can do something better. And that's when I got out of the victim mentality. And that's when I really truly learned what healing was because I had to go back to the six-year-old Tony and I had to become the person that I needed in order to heal from there. And then I had to pinpoint where everything changed. Then I had to develop and go to the next version of myself and so forth and so forth. So that was that was the stage that I went. And then next thing you know, I'm sitting in my car and I'm going, whoa, I need it. I'm going back to Colorado. There's something. There was something inside of me, right? The, the book of Tony opened up. And that's when I realized that grief was my language. Grief had been my gift. And um, my whole mindset changed. And here I am driving back to Colorado, you know, late Sunday night. I get back here and, you know, and and now I have all of these different things that are going on in my mind. I'm like, hmm, what is, you know, what what is going on? So then I said, you know what? I need to go get support because the next time I do this, I am going to be very, very successful, right? I've already made my mind up. And when I, this is where, this is where everything started to actually make sense. And I got along the path um, that started me with the nonprofit world and work with men. So I went to, I went to a couple um, places that did support groups and grief and things like that. And I realized, you know, everyone I went to, they was, you know, even though they said, Hey, men, women, and children are welcome. Right. Every time I went, there was no men. Every time I, went, I was like, Hmm. Then it dawned on me. There's a reason why the men don't come. So I started asking questions just to make sure that I'm on the right path here. Don't ask me why, but I was. I was just curious. Hey, where's all the men at? Oh, we used to have men that came and now they don't come anymore. And I look around. There's a bunch of women. I go. Hmm. I now understand why the men don't come. This is not a space for them. When you put men in the same room as women, especially going through something like loss, there's a sense of vulnerability. Masculine nature says, I have to be a protector and a provider to the women and the children. No matter if they're in their life or not, it's our nature to do those things. Which in turn, when we put ourselves in situations like this, we neglect ourselves. We shut down because the last thing that we need you to figure, uh, uh, think of as me as um, being weak, right. right? Less than, less than. So, and then when you put other men in a situation like that around women, it becomes a competition. That's the whole nature of the of, of the masculine energy. Because I need you to see me as a great provider. 
as a great protector. So this man over here, I need to compete with him for a spot with you. Right. Right. And so when I started putting that together, I was like, oh, now this makes sense. So I just remembered leaving a few of them. And um, I was I was standing in my buddy's garage. And this has been probably a few months after. And I'm going, you know what? I want to do something. I want to do something. My buddy goes, what do you want to do? I said, I think I'm going to start a nonprofit. I've never thought I've never done anything like this before. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I think I want to start a nonprofit to help men like myself. You know, and uh, he looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I'm going to do it. Don't ask me why, but I'm going to do it. And so it was another couple of months after that. I'm struggling with this. Now I'm arguing with, with the voice inside my head. Like, are you sure that you got the right person? Right. You know, um, because I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, like, you might need to go and check on someone else. I, I'm probably not the one. And the voice just gets, kept saying, you are. Come on. Let me show you something. And um, after a lot of wrestling with it, I finally submitted to it. Right. And it became this natural thing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. But if I fail, let me walk away. I walk. I won't fight. I won't argue. I won't do anything. Mm-hmm. Just let me walk away and be at peace in my life. I'll disappear. You won't, you won't have any problems out of me. This is what I'm telling life. Mm-hmm. You won't have any problems out of me. I will find myself somewhere and I won't bother nobody. I'll be quiet and I'll live out the rest of my days till it's, till it's time for me to pass on. I won't cause any more problems. I threw my hands up and the doors opened up and something just said, walk through the door. Nice. Once I did that, I started my nonprofit, which was Memories of Us. And I said, if I'm going to do this, I want to be dedicated to connecting with other men because I still have a lot I need to learn. I'm still a student in this, right? You know, and I want to be around other men who have lost their children so I could learn what was the steps that they took in order they, in order to get through what they were going through. Yeah. And it reversed on me. Those men were coming to me. Hey, I need someone to talk to. Okay. You know, I'm, I know how to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to listen. And, <laughs> and you want to see where this goes. Either I'm going to tell you the wrong things, you know what I'm saying, and embarrass myself or we're going to make, we're going to pull this thing off. Fortunately, I started pulling it off. The things that came out of me was, um, was something out of, out of this world. Mm. And I didn't understand where it was coming from. I didn't understand the manifestation of my gift. I, I, I really didn't. I just knew that this information was there and I knew that this is what I was going to do. And from that point, I gave birth to memories of us. And then COVID hit. And um, so, and during that time when COVID hit, everything that I was doing started moving and moving it at a fast pace in the right direction. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So then I started podcasting. I was like, there has to be a way to do this, right? You know, do more. And I began to showcase stories of other men and um, walk, and I've been walking this path. Um, very, very obediently mm-hmm. since since that time. So it's been a few years, and um, it's been one hell of a journey. Yeah, every opportunity, every amazing person that I meet, uh, the things that I'm learning along the way, it's it's been it's been truly, truly amazing. Yeah, you found your calling, your path. Yeah. I always, you know, I um, I talked to you a little bit about this before. I was a hospice social worker for a while, and I've had a lot of death in my life. Um, nothing super tragic. Like, people died in order, and things made sense for me, so it was a little bit easier. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always, always thought that when somebody loses a child, like, that is a whole nother level of grief that is just uh, – I've just seen it rip so many people apart – I think it would rip me apart. And I think that there's something about like when your parents die or when somebody dies in order, like they get old and they die in that way. Um, It's very different than when you lose a child. So how do you, how do people work through that? And like, you've worked with a lot of people that have lost children and other family members, but I do think that there's, 
a massive depth to losing a child. And then there's also this um, like spiritual component almost where you can't wrap your head around it. It doesn't make sense. And it seems really unfair. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, the first thing that you have to understand, there's no natural order to, to life and death. It's what mm-hmm. we make up, right? Yeah. There's nothing that said that this is the way it's supposed to be. And we're not exempt from mm-hmm. loss of children, right? This is just the way that we perceive it to make ourselves feel better when we lose our grandparents. You yeah. know, when we lose our parents and things like that, we go, oh, they lived a beautiful life. Right. You know, uh, and, and this is just the way it's supposed to be. We tell ourselves ever since we listen to people that are older to us. It's just the way that it's supposed to be. It's the natural order of things. The children are supposed to outlive their parents. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's the way that we justify moving through it. Yeah. Yes, it's going to hurt. We're going to grieve. We're going to mourn. We're going to remember them. And then eventually we come to a place of acceptance. Some are a lot quicker than others, depending on the relationship that you have. When a child dies, it throws us off because everything that we've been taught, we feel as if we've been lied to. Now, if you can if you can name me a place or a time in history where it says that we're exempt from this, maybe I'll retract my statement. Right. But from what I understand, since the beginning of time. People have been losing children. Hell, there was a time when um, when people were having multiple children yeah, because it was expected that they was going to lose a few of them, mm-hmm. right? They go, let's have 15 children. Now that they're 15, we may have five that survive. It was, it was, it was a natural thing, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't have the modern day technology or medication or uh, things that they have now to increase the survival rate of children. Mm-hmm. So it was like this is expected. Um, so when it comes down, when it comes down to it, it's horrible. It's the worst pain that you will ever feel. And I don't wish that on anyone. Does it? And it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, In a lot of ways, um, you come to a place where you go, I want something better. I'm tired of this deep pain because there's, I mean, you can't even explain the pain, the pain that you're in, right? And it doesn't go anywhere. It just leaves you empty because there's there's lies that we tell ourselves, you know, um, and, and what I mean by that, and I mean no disrespect to anyone um, when I say this, but we tell ourselves we're going to be around, you know, we until uh, they go to college, you know what I'm saying? We're going to watch them get their first house, grandkids and things like that, right? So we set ourselves up for failure. Mm-hmm. And um, that you just have to go back and go, I get it now. I get it. The things that I thought was supposed to happen, it didn't. Mm-hmm. So you have to go in and you have to check yourself. You you literally have to check yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, you have to get out the side of your head and start playing a victim. Doesn't make it easier, but you have mm-hmm. to stop playing a victim. Life didn't just happen to you. These things happen to so many other people across the board. Since I've been working in this field and I've met so many other men who have gone through a lot worse than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I have a client right now who lost all three of his sons. Oh my gosh. I have another client who lost um lost his son and his daughter to both the suicides, addictions, wow. things like that. And I'm crying over what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to look at that so I can be more effective in helping them work through uh, what they're going through. So some skills that I, I developed along the way um, mm-hmm. after after that loss. And I, I began to mm-hmm. search for a different connection because I was, you know, I began to think to myself, like, the flesh is dead. But there's something more to this. And so I developed a relationship um not only with my grief, but with the loss and what it did, it brought me, and this is just for me. And I did, you know, um, but it, everybody's different. 
but I developed that relationship with the loss of my child, my mother, my father, my brother. Mm-hmm. And it brings me comfort to know that they're still there watching over me. Right. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious about when we talk about death of children, if there is a, a common theme of feelings of guilt as a mm-hmm. parent, um, because I imagine if something happened to my kid, no matter what it was, obviously 99% of the time, it's not going to be related to that parent at all. I feel like there would be this sense of, I should I, what did I not see? What did I not catch? What could I have done? What could I have said? Could I have been in this place at this time? Even though like logically in our brains, that doesn't make any sense. And we know, we know better. Um, I wonder about that guilt. And I wonder, cause that's an incredibly difficult one to get through. Everything that you just said is, is absolutely correct. Right. We, the, what ifs, what if I had, what if I had did this? You know, um, what if I had been in this place? What if, um, you know, I would have been more attentive? What if, you know, and you begin to play different scenarios over in your mind, you know, like that, did I, did I do something wrong? Um, did, you know, uh, if, if that kid has medication, did, I, did what happened, right? You're looking for somewhere to make sense out of what just happened. Yeah, true. You, and, and, and it's hard to grasp, right? Because mm-hmm. it's easier to find a place to take responsibility in than just looking at it and going, wow, life just happened. Yeah. It sounds easier to blame. Yeah. Cause you, you might want to blame yourself uh, and, and you might want to blame someone else. Sometimes like in my case, my son passed away from unknown causes. Who am I supposed to blame? Mm-hmm. Who am I supposed to get mad at? I went through the guilt. I went through the shame because after that happened, I was going, you know, I wonder what people are going to think. Mm-hmm. You know, I I wonder how many people are going to avoid me because, you know, uh, they may think that I was a horrible father on the, on, the, on the surface over here. You're seeing me being this, being this great father to my son. Now that he's passed away, I wonder if you're thinking I had something to do with this because I was a single father. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, we begin to put together different scenarios and um, justifying them. So then we become isolated, especially as a male. You know, we become very, very isolated. My son's mother was around. And I thought, thought to myself, she's going to think that I killed my son. Because I used to be a game banger, right? You know what I'm saying? But I've never heard any women or children. I don't know what she's thinking. And um, that can play a lot on your mental health. It sends you to a place of really, really deep darkness and sadness. Yeah. You know? Do you feel like everybody goes through that when they lose a kid? They go through that, like, guilt it's been, you know, now here's here's the crazy part about it, right? Talking with women and talking with men, mm-hmm. although it seems as if we go through things totally different, mm-hmm. these are the things that are similar across the board. Yeah. The problem is, is that when men go through these things, um, it looks totally different, mm-hmm. right? So perception, perception. None, none of the emotions in a lot of cases men don't men don't cry we I, we suppress that emotion right but we express it in a different way anger isolation yeah. irritability going to work you know what I'm saying doing things like keeping ourselves busy and things like that pushing ourselves away from the family because we still have to have that role of being needed yeah whereas women go oh you you you're not you're not grieving the way that you should or you know what I'm saying I don't think that you really cared and all of these. And they, now here comes the back and forth bickering. You point the finger at her. He points the finger at you. This is very, very similar Yeah. across the board, across the board. Perception is reality. The things that men may go through may be perceived differently um, depending on the person who's watching. Yeah. It's like the inner, the inner world is the same, but then the way that it's expressed outwardly it's mm-hmm. very different. Yeah. 
So, yeah. What advice would you have for people that are stuck in that phase of anger and guilt and grief and pain and they just, and in, they're just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like they're just in it. Um, what I would, what I normally tell people is that where you're at right now is totally normal. You're totally normal. Secondly, surround mm-hmm. yourself with people who have gone through similar things. Mm-hmm. That way you have, it's like finding your tribe, right? Yeah. Surround yourself with people who've gone through similar things. You could tend to watch what they do, watch how they move. Um, and it makes it more comfortable to talk about what you're going yeah. through. Yeah. Um, find people that speak to you through your love language. So if your love language is, is touch or um, gift giving or, or things like that, surround yourself with people that can speak through you through your, through your love language. It makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier for that connection. Um, mm-hmm. another thing is have patience, right? Um, there's no timeline. It could be, yeah. there's, there's no timeline. Yeah. Don't rush the process. If there's yeah. a process that you want to, that you have to go through, um, inside of your emotions, outside of your emotions, you have to adjust to your new way of the world because the reality just changed for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So having community. Is, mm-hmm. is huge. And don't beat yourself too much for the things that you don't know. Yeah. You know, it, in this in this grief world, a lot of times we get thrown into it from sudden, um, sudden things. And by the time you realize what has happened, it's already too late to learn about it. So yeah. It's so fa- yeah. It can be so fast. Mm-hmm. It can be like, everything is just status quo. And then the next day your world gets flipped upside down. Exactly. And that that's very different than like somebody getting old and dying and on hospice and you have like, you know, months to say your goodbyes and they kind of like their light slowly dims out versus Mm -hmm. just your life just changes instantly. Things can change in any moment. Then we can't take anything for granted. Um, just our health and our safety and our community and like everything can change in a heartbeat. Um, and so, gosh, I'm like learning this lesson now. And it's such a hard one is trying to move through life with a little bit more flow versus resisting it. Um, that's easy to say when I'm not talking about death. Right. But just in general, it's like, are we flowing with life or are we resisting every single thing that's getting pushed in our face? Because it seems like, it's only when you get to that point of accepting that things are the way that they are and that we don't necessarily have control over everything, mm-hmm. then it seems like that's when that shift can happen. Agreed. Now, I want to add to that, right? You have to remember your days are chunked up in moments. Mm-hmm. Not not every moment is going to be a good moment, but every moment is a moment that you can learn from, extract information, and move to the next moment. The, the key to it is when you extract this over here, leave that moment where it needs to be and not carry it over to the next moment. If you look at it as lessons, yeah, grief is constantly teaching you, right? It's teaching you what you need. It's giving you what you need in order to uh, pass it along to other people along the way. Because you've already gone through this. And you chunk your days up into moments like that, right? There's no such thing as a bad day. You just have challenging moments. Mm -hmm. Secondly, when you can begin to not take life personal. Yeah. And have no set expectations from people or things. Yeah. You tend to open up yourself to different opportunities of healing and education. Thirdly, learn how to um, be patient with yourself. Yeah. Not take things for granted. And have gratitude for the life and the moments that you did have with individuals. Yeah. Yeah. You can pound that all together. Life becomes this journey. 
the story begins to change. You begin to change. The way you see life is already changed, but it adds a different sort of element to it. Mm -hmm. You begin to appreciate the people that you encounter. Like I said, I'm a seasonal one. I get that. Yeah. Right. I understand my role in this life. I don't have any expectations from anyone. Right. I understand that I move through. Yeah. I move through. The people that I encounter, I'm only there for a season. That's it. I'm only there for a season. So I don't have any expectations. Mm -hmm. I understand what trauma bonding is. So I understand my role in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to be just to a question really quickly that's that's kind of in another direction is that when you're going through your grieving process, what are some of the things that people said to you that were just did not land well? What are some <laughs> of the worst things that when somebody's grieving that you could say that you don't want to say that you want to avoid? Um, yeah, the, the biggest thing is um, never tell someone that uh, the person that they love is in a better place. Yeah, which everybody they, says that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like that across the board, right? Yes. The second thing is never compare your loss mm -hmm. to someone else's loss. Yeah. You don't know the relationship that they have with them, and your loss doesn't make, they're like, your loss is not greater than their loss. It's the relationship right. that you have with the individual that you lost. Right. So never compare that. Right. Because it's easy uh, when you when you do that. The first time you go, well, I you just now invalidated the person with, and what yeah. they're going through. So leave that out of the conversation. Be open to having a conversation, but be open to listening mm -hmm. in order to listen and not to respond. Yeah. You got to know when to keep your mouth shut. And so when somebody yeah. says they're in a better place, what does that do to you, you when you hear that? What does that feel like? Oh, man, that's a that's a gut punch, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's definitely a gut punch because when you tell me, uh, matter of fact, uh, this is when I had to learn how to stop taking things personally. When my son passed away, somebody went, hey, you know, at least you had, you know, eight years with your son. He's in a better place and he's looking over from, looking over you. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and was like, the place that he needed to be is right here with me. Yeah. Like, are we all. not thinking about, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, the victim mode. Are we not thinking about, you know what I'm saying, what it just did to this old man mm -hmm. right here? Mm -hmm. It invalidates your experience, actually. Right, right. Like, completely, like, oh, they're in a better place now. It, it invalidates everything that you're feeling. Yeah. Or here's one I've been told you can have another one. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I've been told that before, right? And I, and I yeah. looked at him and go, well, it's kind of impossible for me to have another one. They go, what do you uh, mean? Oh I go, gosh. well, I can't have any more kids. He was supposed to be in the last one. But even if you could, it's not, it's like you can't replace anybody. Same. Right. It's not the same. Yeah. But now, see, you have to look at it from the other other side of the spectrum, right? There are some people that go, you know what? Yes, I lost this one. I'm going to go out and have another one because they're trying to fulfill a void. Right. Right. They go, maybe if I have enough one, uh, another one, I can I can pour this love into them. I can give them the opportunity that I wasn't able to give to this one. You know, mm -hmm. um, they still honoring them. Don't get me wrong. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Right. It's perception is reality. So, yeah. you know, they just look at it and going, you know what? I, I it's in my nature. I need to give this to something. I need to give this to a child. You know, I, I'm, I'm meant to be a father. I'm meant to be a be a mother, you know, yeah. and things like that. So it's it's all about trying to fill that void. Yeah. Or in, in situations like myself, the reality is I can't have any more kids. Yeah. Right? So what do yeah. I do? I have friends who have kids. Mm -hmm. I don't try to fill the void, but I try to be the best possible uncle because everybody knows me as Uncle Tony. All my friends' kids knows me know me as Uncle Tony, oh, right? And yeah. so I go, you know what? I cannot replace um, the love that I have for my own child. But what I can do is that I can give you someone that can relate to what you're going through. And just maybe, just maybe I can give a little bit of something to you um, to make you smile. Yeah. Because in their smiles, they tend to share to share with me um, their memories of my son. No. And so this way is, you know, this way I'm still giving back 
um, I'm still giving pieces of myself because they're going to remember the way I made them feel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. and that's what this world is about. People always remember the way you make them feel. Yeah. And so you might as well make them feel as if they're important in this world, as if they're loved and thought about. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is the biggest satisfaction in the world. Yeah. So well, I know um, from my own experience and from being a social worker as well, that um, some people just don't know how to handle death. Like it's just, they, it's not in their wheelhouse. It scares them. They just kind of freak out. And so what happens is common is that somebody will have a death in the family of someone that's close to them. And then their friends and family and community sometimes don't know how to deal with that. And it's uncomfortable and they avoid that person. Um, and I hear that a lot. And so how do we support those who have had loss in their lives? How much do we extend to that person um, so that we can support them and also meet them when the, where they are at in that experience and knowing that that experience can shift over time. Yeah. Well, the, the most important thing, you know, you, you said right there is meeting a person where they're at, right? Um, the second thing is surround yourself with people that you can have the conversation with. It doesn't necessarily have to be family or close friends. That's part of that community, right? Mm -hmm. If the loss that you're going through why not surround yourself with people who've gone through similar things? Mm -hmm. People that have normalized that conversation and just be a fly on the wall. Listen. Right? Yeah. And but but again, the, the tendency is to pull away. I mean, you did it. A lot of people that I know that have gone through death do that. They just immediately pull away from that community mm -hmm. and tend to try to manage it on their own. Well, the problem is, is that when they pull it away from a, from a certain community, right, they're not in the right community. Right. They're not in the right community. So, you know, it, and, it, and, I, and I say this again, it's finding your tribe. You try yeah. to go through it on your own. And we all have. Right. You know what I'm saying? You go through things um, and, and along that way, the people that you're around no longer fit the narrative of your life. Yeah. And sometimes when you're trying to figure, because grief is one of those things that a lot of it, you will have to learn and figure it out um, as you begin to go. Uh, and the reason being, grief is like your finger fingerprint, right? You know what I'm saying? It's so individual and so specific to you. There are certain things that what one person is going through is not going to help you. Yeah. So a lot of times it's okay to, to push away from people um, to try to, kind of stumble through it, right? You know what I'm saying? Because there's no right or wrong way to go through grief. You're going to hurt. It's one of those things that is natural. And it's a part of life. You're going to do it. As you yeah. begin to move through it, as you begin to go through different stages of it, right? Pay attention to the people who are coming into your life. Yeah. Pay attention to them, right? Involuntarily. You can be walking down the street and meet someone and are like, oh, and they just have a conversation with that you can relate to. They may yeah. not know that they can relate to, that you can relate to what they're saying, but they yeah. dare to give you something, mm -hmm. right? And over a period of time, you've been, you begin to build up in. The pain is still there, but then someone else comes along. Yeah. Then eventually, you got four or five people that you can, that you can reach out to, right? Having the conversation behind it is key to it, right? Yeah. And being around people that won't judge you for mm -hmm. having that conversation. Um, yeah. A buddy of mine, um, he said when he was going through it after after his son passed away, he did something that I never thought about doing. And I thought it was the most interesting thing uh, in, in the world. He goes, I have all of these people, family, friends, and things like that. And I was going through it. He goes, and I call it a grief intervention. And that's when... He calls everybody that had been supporting him and, and, and uplifting him and speaking life into him that he had been pushing away. But he got to a point to where he was going, if I don't do something, yeah, I am going to take my life. Yeah. He calls him up mm -hmm. and says, I just need you guys to come over. And he oh. sat there and he told them he was real honest. That's mm -hmm. another key to it. He was very honest about what he was going through. Yeah. Being that way, learning how to communicate helps other people know how they can 
effectively support us and walk with us. Because if you don't know, then you just try you're just trying to guess it out, right? Yeah. But we know what we need. We yeah. we know what we're looking for deep down inside. Yeah. And that's just someone to say, I see you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I want to hit on one, something that you said really um, is about find your people, find your tribe. And mm-hmm. I, I've had this like pretty big spiritual awakening this, this last year in 2023. Um, it's just kind of been working through my life over the years. But um, what I did find was that I found a, a, like another community of people that supports me in every aspect and it has shifted from my old community into this new community. And like this new community, it just feels so warm and loving and embracing and accepting and and understanding of everything. Um, and so I want to like let people know, too, that our communities and our people and our tribe can shift. And I think sometimes we get into these patterns where we've had the same tribe for so long and that, you know, sometimes we need to look and see if that tribe is supporting us in our life's journey um, and having the courage to move away from it when it's not and having the courage to move towards something new when it feels good and right and supportive. Yes. And I want to add to that. So a lot of times when people get, get in certain tribes, right. And you begin to grow and develop and things like that, that place becomes a place of comfort. Mm-hmm. Although deep down inside you are outgrowing it, and it happens in the grief in the grief world, right? You know what I'm saying? You will outgrow it. If that group is not growing with you, you will outgrow that group or yeah. you will remain stuck, right? And what I mean by that is that sometimes it becomes a lot easier to stay in a place of comfort and stunt yeah. your growth than yeah. it is to go to a place to where it's a little bit more scarier. You don't know because you're not familiar with the people that you're around. Now, this is the reason, this, this is the reason why you need someone that can walk with you, that can encourage you to move mm-hmm. with your grief, right? You know what I'm saying? Because as you go through the stages of grief, so do you go through the stages of life in, in that yeah. process. So having someone to walk with you to go, hey, I see that you're, you know, kind of kind of stuck right here. I've been seeing these other groups up here. Would you like to come? And and go see what's over here. Uh, you yeah. know, it's not a it's not a commitment or anything, but you know, it takes someone to see you from the outside, right? Yeah. To go, let's go over here and check this out. Yeah. Don't no guarantees. Let's just go over here and you have someone walk with you, right? Because people are comfortable when they have someone to walk with. Yeah. And so that's how you eventually start to find your different tribes mm-hmm. that you can relate to. Everyone has something that they can contribute to your growth and healing mm-hmm. as you begin to go through this process. I think um, something that would be a good to say to somebody that's going through a grieving process is how can I be of best support to you? How can I support you in this moment? Versus what I've learned is not, not a good thing to say is like, are you okay? Um, right. We, of course you're not okay. <laughs> um and I, I had a relative pass away and, and, and he, at the funeral, he's like, please don't ask us like if we're okay. Um, and I had been doing that and it made me think like, oh my God, of course they're not okay. Really. It's like, how can I support you? How can I be of service? How can I be here for you? What can I do for you? Well, I want to add to that as well. Right. So it's, it's a matter of how you say it. Say for instance, if I saw Nikki sitting mm-hmm by herself, avoiding other people. I know that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Now, it's my approach. Yeah. It's my approach. I come over there and stand next to you and go, hey, yeah, it's been one of those days, huh? Mm-hmm. See how I'm opening up the conversation with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are. I know that you're in a place of hurt. I know that you're in a place of surprise and, you know what I'm saying, um, confusion and things like that. I know it's been, it's been, it, it was a really good um, service and yeah. everything. And that's when I could turn, see, once I get that and I know that you're starting to feel a little bit comfortable with my presence, Yeah, I'm going to turn around to you and I'm going to embrace you and I'm going to simply whisper in your ear, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because right. for one, we're connecting, right? 
you've allowed me into your space. There's a sense of vulnerability with that. There's a sense of yeah. how I approach this situation and, you know what I'm saying, my engagement with you that allows you to be more open with me because now you can hear my voice, not from afar, but from a place to where now, you know what I'm saying, you're feeling where, where I'm coming yeah. from. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Versus, now, yeah. Right. Because I've allowed you into my space. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. So there's a sense of, oh, wow. Okay. Now that you're in my space, when I let you go, you're going to look at me and go, one of two things. You're either going to walk away from me or you're going to break down and go, I'm not okay. Because mm-hmm. I've just now validated that I see you. Yeah. Well, you've opened the door too. So even if, even if that door shuts in that moment, it can open later. You've right. opened the door. Because yeah. now you remember the way I just made you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You know, it's your delivery. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, am I being open? Am I allowing this person into my space as well? Because it's a, it's a give, give. I'm not taking it away from you, but I'm giving with, you know, I'm giving you something that's open and inviting. Right. Human connection. Mm -hmm. If you can feel this, right. And you can feel the energy that I'm giving you. It makes it a lot more, more, more um, receiving. Yeah. Mm. Well, Tony, yeah. how do how do people like find you and connect with you? And, and let's talk about your podcast and all of your offerings and um, and how men can get support from you if they're looking for that because you're such a great powerhouse of support and and resources and information on this topic. Yes. Um, if you are a male and you are looking for support, you can find me two ways. Um, you can find me on on social media as Memories of Us. I do have support groups on there, but if you're in the Loving Fort Collins area, I do in-person support groups um, and one-on-one um, consultations with men, and I do these things for free, right? Um, my website is under construction right now, so we're going to be working on that, but they can also uh, call me or email me. They can call me at 970-599-9917. They can email me at tolynch46 at gmail.com. If they're looking for various other resources, um, I do have those available. Um, so I have another network called the Mobile Brief Network where I'm partnering with individuals from across the world. So my, our motto is, is that we don't want anyone to feel left out or feeling uh, feeling as if they're being neglected. So we have something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, podcasts. They, they can find me on YouTube as um, I'm the host of the Grief Let's Talk About It podcast, where, mm-hmm. you know, I share stories just like yourself, right? You know, amazing story, amazing people. And uh, to get those stories out there, because our motto is, is that your story can be someone else's survival guide. I also do a new segment called, you know, Let's Talk About It Wednesdays, where my guests come in and we talk about topics. You know, we, we dive into topics. I do panel uh, weekly panel discussions. I just started a new segment uh, this month where I'm talking to couples who have lost children. So I'm mm. bringing that reality out there. Next month is going to be something totally different. Um, we're in the process of starting a new tour called the Healing Through Love Tour and working with actors from across the world. We're going to be traveling the United States um, sharing these stories, inspiring, and then we're going to do youth events where we're going to fundraise, give that money to the youth organizations to help bring necessary programs to keep kids off of drugs and off the streets, to give them a place where they can de- develop um, necessary skills in life, but also have a place to where they can be kids swimming, camping, you know, archery, all the things yeah. that we used to do when I was a kid, right? You know, yeah. we want to bring that back. Um, and this is going to help rebuild our communities as well. Um, I have a book, um, it's called Relentless and you can find that on Amazon. Let's see. There's, there's actually something else. Oh yes, 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 yes. So for the individuals who are looking for companions walking through grief, we do have a program that's going to begin launched in like another, another three to six months is when it's going to be finished, but we're, we're training educating and certifying uh, grief accomplices or grief buddies, people who can be effective in the field of walking with you 
during your time of need. So all Sounds those different like, things are coming coming about. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> that's amazing. It's, it's been fun, you know. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and I would encourage people to check out your podcast, Brief. Let's talk about it. Um, it's really good. You go really deep uh, with a lot of your guests, and um, it's it's powerful. It's really powerful. And I imagine <laughs> if I was in a state of intense grieving, your podcast would definitely help heal. Yeah, you've done some good work. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for your time and your expertise. And and I really appreciate you. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me on the show to share my um, story. And uh, hopefully it helps helps out uh, your audience. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkiyyoga.com, N-I-C-K-Y-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.